I'm preaching today, and uh, it's not kind of a typical Mother's Day sermon. Um, you know, we've been in this series on discipleship, or in the part on resisting the enemy, and I was wanting to teach on that today, and I thought, well, it's Mother's Day, and can't teach on that. And I thought, I started thinking about moms and all the roles a mother plays in a child's life. You know, you're a coach, you're a counselor, you're a mentor, you're a teacher, a leader, you're a disciplinarian, a cook, a doctor, a housekeeper, a laundry maid, a chauffeur, an encourager, a cheerleader, a mediator, a referee, a role model, just to name a few. But one of the main roles a mom plays is protector. Both parents, but it is Mother's Day, so we're going to say that. But man, this, most of what I say today will apply to you too, if you have children. And it's one thing to protect your children when they're young, and it's another thing to teach them how to protect themselves. It's one thing to war over your children. It's another thing to, to teach your children to war. And I wonder, moms and dads, are you warring for your children? Because there's a war going on for your children. Are you warring for your children, and are, are you teaching them how to do spiritual warfare? Because as they grow, we need to teach them how to do warfare and how to protect themselves, and, and they need to know what to protect themselves from. Amen. Remember, I, I've taught you before, we all have the same three enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we need a strategy to fight each one. That's why I'm, I'm preaching today a message, a message entitled, Remain, Retreat, or Resist. This came to me one morning. I was lying in bed and thinking, and it's when I'm during the week, sermons always on my mind, and I'm, it's in my mind and in my heart, and I'm praying, God, what do you want to say? And these these words came to me, and and I really believe our children need to know how to fight the pull of the world, the desires of the flesh, the attacks of Satan, and that requires us as parents to be very aware of those three things to know how to fight those three things, and it involves us training our children, which involves us being very involved in their lives, very involved in their world. And as I was praying about what to preach, I, 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 I thought about, are there three moms in the Bible? Because I got these words first, this remain, uh, retreat, and resist, and I, I thought, are there three moms who had to teach their children when they were in some kind of battle or warfare, they had to teach them. Three moms in the Bible, they had to teach them how to deal with these things when they were under the attack. And, and I found them, and, and, and the way each one handled each situation was different, which means we need discernment when it comes to spiritual warfare. To know who we're fighting and to know how to fight. We need to know, listen, we need to know when to remain in a situation. As parents... One of the things we do is try to get, keep our kids from tough situations, keep them out of it. But one of the ways we grow is growing through tough situations. And we've got to know when to remain in a situation, when to retreat, and when to resist. First, let's talk about remaining. In Exodus chapter 2, it tells us the story of Moses. His mother, mother's name is Jochebed, and, and her mother, his mother teaches us how a, a mother's love wants to protect her children. Uh, a Pharaoh came up with a plan to kill all the Hebrew male babies, and Exodus tells us that Moses' mom, 
hid him for three months and she took great risks to protect her child and she put him in a basket and put him on the river and hid him in the bulrushes and she watched him from a distance and, and she schemed his rescue and, and when he was found, uh, worked it out where she became his nanny. She did whatever it took to protect her child. And 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, love always protects. I think that's from the NIV. Love always protects. Protect means to roof over, to put a roof over, to, to cover. Amen. And what, now listen, what Jochebed had to do with Moses was teach him how to remain in a tough situation and still remain a follower of God. Yeah. Yeah. Some people, when they get in a tough situation, turn from God. And Moses had to go be a son of Egypt and in the son of Pharaoh and live in that house. And in the Bible, Egypt is, is a type of the world. And remember, the, 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 the Greek word for world is cosmos. It's not talking about planet Earth. There's another word for Earth. It's talking about the present order and systems that, that rule the world. The whole humanistic system of governing, educating, entertaining, business, media, all social media, all those things. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, Satan is the God of this world. 1 John 5.19 says, we know that we are children of God and the whole world, listen, is under the control of the evil one. The world, the current world order, the culture, the, uh, all these systems I talked about are under the destructive rule of Satan. And that entire system is working to draw us and our children away from the truths of God's word. And it's working in many people's lives. The spirit of the world is working overtime to eliminate the truth of God from our culture, to replace it with deception. So in order for us to protect our children, we've got to be grounded in God's word. And we've got to be grounded in God's character, who he is and what he says. Jesus prayed this for us in John 17, 14 through 18. He says, I have given you your world, your word, and the world has hated them. Listen, don't be surprised that the world hates you. If the world is not hating you in some way, I would be looking at, are you just being a friend of the world and never standing up for anything, never speaking any truth? just going along with everyone, because once you start speaking about Jesus and the ways of God and the word of God, the world will hate you. For they are, they are, talking about us, not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out. He's saying, I want them to. They got to remain. We're talking about remaining. They've got to remain in the world. But I'm praying that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. We are in the world, but not of the world. And we are sent into this world, all of us, including our children, to be ambassadors for Christ. We cannot remove ourselves and live off in some monastery somewhere, secluded and isolated from the rest of the world. We're on a mission from God to reach the world for Jesus Christ. And the enemy fights that with all of his strength. 
But we don't fear him because 1 John 4, 4 says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We saw the world is under the control of the evil one. And to, for all of us, we see it every day. We see everything that's happening. We see things people are doing and saying and, and what we're seeing things in, on social media and on TV and everywhere else. But the one who is in us is greater and we do not have to fear the one who is in the world. Ephesians six twelve says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, there's an unseen battle going on for our souls and the souls of our children, and we've got to protect our children. We've got to protect them. Jochebed had to teach Moses to live in Pharaoh's house and in God's house. He had to know how to remain in the world, yet remain in faith. And we're not doing a great job of it these days. Statistically, so many children are growing up in church and then turning away from God and, and away from church. They are not remaining. They are not staying. And we've got to figure out how we can protect our children and love our children and teach our children. Not doing this results in dire consequences. Listen, and disciplining your children and discipling your children does not just mean bringing them to church one day a week and letting them go to their class. Please do that and please continue doing that. We got them less than an hour a week. Discipling your children is a 24-7 job. Everything that happens in every day is an opportunity for you to teach them the Word of God and the ways of God. We've got to teach them to protect themselves, and we've got to protect them from the world, from themselves. Because you know they come to a point in their life where they think they know more than you. And then protect them from the devil. Everything is geared towards pulling them away. Everything is geared towards pulling them away. Many schools are not anymore just teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic. And there are some places, some schools, some school districts wanting to indoctrinate children with unbiblical views about God, the Bible, sexuality, their identity. Thank God we've got, we've got awesome school teachers in our church and school administrators in our church. They are Christians. They are strong. They, they are people of faith, and I love them, and I, and I bless them. And I'm, I'm glad for our school district. And, you know, we're not dealing with some of the things that some people are in some places. But are you sure what's going on in your kid's class? Do you know? Are you looking at their curriculum? Are you asking questions? Are you showing up at, at, at meetings? And when you see things that are going on, you, every family has to make their decision. Are we going to remain in a public school? And that's the right decision for some. Are we going to retreat? Maybe I feel like we need to pull them out. Maybe we need to go to a Christian school or a charter school. Maybe we need to do homeschool. My kids are not amening that. <laughs> We homeschooled for many years. Uh, but you got to know. You, but I, I, you got to know and determine that what, what's right for you and, and your kids. 
But you've got to be aware and be involved and know what's going on. The entertainment industry has gone way beyond entertaining to a place now where they want to impact the way your child views the world and everything else. They, they have agendas they want to indoctrinate, indoctrinate your children with. There, there was a day when you could count on Disney. You could count on Disney for wholesome family entertainment. Not so much anymore. They too have an agenda. We saw that recently when they fought the Florida law forbidding schools from teaching young children about sexuality. I don't think schools should be teaching young children about sexuality in any form, in any way. That's the role of a parent. I mean, I mean it's just... I, I, but then also this report, I don't know if you saw this recently, where Disney's, uh, Disney executives said they want 50% of their characters in their movies to be LGBTQ and other unrepresented people. 50%. Now, let me tell you, I love everybody. I had a brother who was gay. I am not a hateful person. I love everybody. So when I'm saying these things, hear me as I'm speaking with love in my heart for anyone, okay? And everyone. Do you, do you understand me? Three of you understand me. Okay. But they, they talk about LGBTQ being underrepresented. Have you watched TV lately? I mean, every single show pretty much has every person of every kind of persuasion you could think of. I'm not saying that's bad. But I am saying this. It's a misrepresentation. Because they want it to be 50% of the characters on their shows when in, literally in the actual population, it's somewhere between 4 and 7%. Now listen, I just studied this this week. Look this up. Gallup, Gallup broke down those numbers looking up at those who identify as LGBTQ by generation. Those before, born before 1946, 0.8%. Baby boomers, boomers, that's my generation, 2.6% identified LGBT. Generation X, that would be my, my children's generation, 4.2%. Millennials, that's my older grandchildren, 10.5%. Generation Z, a few of my younger grandkids, 20.8% of Generation Z identify as LGBT. Why is this happening? Well, people say, well, when they were older, it wasn't acceptable to come out, and, and so everybody was hiding it. Okay, I, I would give you some of that, and maybe so. Maybe a, a couple percentage points. But from 0.8 to 20.8, something's happening. And I'm telling you, everything in the world is working. School, friends, social media, TV, songs. Everything is working together to indoctrinate your kids in the way of the world. And it's working. Do you, do you know what they're watching? Do you know what they're listening to? Do you know what social media apps they're on? Are you monitoring what they do? Oh, I know that would be hard to do. It would be very hard to do. But that's what parents do. We don't say, it's too hard for me to parent my child. 
check on them, try to keep them safe. We don't do that. But look, look, this indoctrination is having an impact because I've shown you these graphs before uh, about the importance of religion in the life. Go to that next slide. In, the, in generation, this is the importance of religion in, by age group. The bottom is 65 plus. 65% plus 20%. 85% consider that important in their lives. Then it goes down. Next group, age 50 to 64. Then age 30 to 49. Then age... 18 to 29, it goes down, down, down by, by generation. But you see, I've also shown you this, this chart, adults diagnosed for depression and anxiety by generation, and you see it is the absolute reverse of this. The older you are, the less depression, anxiety, and suicide, you can add suicide to this, you see the reports almost every day of some young person, teenager, young adult, killing themselves. The younger you are, the, the, you have way more depression, anxiety, and, and, and suicide. The generations with the most faith have the least depression, anxiety, and suicide. The generation with the most faith have the least identification as LGBTQ. The generation with the least faith who have turned from it have a greater identification. It may be me, but I think they are related. I think they're related. And I'm not being political today. I'm being biblical today. And I am bold enough to stand up here and tell you, you better watch out what's happening with your kids. You better watch out what's, what is being taught to your children. You better watch out what they're watching and what's coming into their mind. You better watch out. It's your job as a parent. It is your job to protect your children. We're in a fight for them to teach them how to remain in this world but not be of it. We've got to be aware of their friends. And you may have to tell them, I'm sorry, you cannot remain in that friendship. Anybody who is, not, who is pulling you away from God, you are not going to remain in that friendship. You may have to get off of that app. You may have to defriend that person. You may have to stop watching that show. You've got to help Sort through what's right and wrong and teach it to them. We've got to t boldly take a stand for God and God's truth and teach our children how to remain in truth and remain in the faith in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now we're going to look at retreating. There's a time to retreat. Mary was the mother of Jesus. Just like Pharaoh wanted to kill all the male Hebrew children, Herod wanted to kill all the male children under the age of three. Now, isn't it interesting? Whenever a deliverer came on the scene, they wanted to kill all the babies. Now, this, I wasn't planning on preaching this today. This just came to me. I mean, you, you know 63 million children have been killed since Roe versus Wade was made the law of this land. 63 million who knows what deliverers were in there, in that bunch? Who knew, who knows, but maybe the, somebody who could have found a cure for cancer was in that bunch. Who knows? Who knows? But the amazing thing is, God put it in the heart of a mom to protect her children. But Satan has so worked and worked and worked over generations of deceiving and the world's ways and the world's indoctrination till now where you have moms or potential moms out on the streets protesting for the right to kill their own children. Sorry, that's what they're doing. 
An unborn child is an unborn human being. We sang it in the song, a scripture. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You knew me before I was born and had a call on my life. You know, I know people say, well, we can have differences about this and differences of opinion. Yeah, but when it comes to killing children, I can't just say, well, okay, that might be good for you. You're still killing babies. Satan always does this. You see it every time. You saw it with Moses. You, saw, you see it with Jesus. And God did not tell Moses and Joseph and Mary to remain there. He told them, run, retreat, go to Egypt. We've got to teach our children when to retreat, when to run. They've got to know how to put on combat boots, and they've got to know how to put on uh, running shoes. They've got to know when to stand and fight, and they've got to know when to cut and run. Too many people are standing when they should be running and running when they should be standing. If something easily causes you to fall, you need to stay away from it. Put on your running shoes and get out of there as fast as you can. 1 Timothy 6 tells us to run from the love of money and greed. 1 Corinthians 10.14 says run away from idolatry, which is putting anything before God. 1 Corinthians 6.18 tells us run from sexual sin. Joseph showed us how to do this in Genesis 39, 7 through 18. Joseph had been sold into slavery and the Bible tells us he was 17 when that happened. 17. So he could have been, we don't know exactly what age this next event happened, but he could have been a teenager and probably was. Joseph was sold into slavery. God gave him favor. He was put in charge of his master's house. While he was there, his master's wife kept trying to seduce him, and he kept refusing her. And one day he went into the house, here's what the Bible said, to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. She lied, made up a story, had, said he tried to rape her, and he ended up in prison. But the next step was the palace. Joseph became successful because Joseph knew when to run. He knew when to run. And I hate it when people have an affair and just say, well, it just happened. It didn't just happen. You crossed so many lines before it happened. You stayed somewhere when you should have put on your running shoes. Listen, when somebody starts flirting with you, you're a married person, somebody at work starts flirting, you better start running. When they start having an inappropriate conversation, start running. When the opposite sex wants to be alone with you, you start running. There's a time to fight. There's a time to run. When you're tempted to put together a deal that's not honest, run. When you're tempted to toy with a relationship that is not Christ-centered, run. But when you want to run from your financial obligations, stand in fight. If you want to run from your marriage or family, stand and fight. When it's tough to be honest in the workplace, stand and fight. When you're tired of spiritual warfare, stand and fight. There's a time to, to run. There's a time to retreat. A time to remain. A time to retreat. And then there's a time to resist. Which brings us to the third mother in the Bible. And this one was hard to find. I looked, I looked at every person in the Bible, every relationship. <laughs> I looked at it, their mom, their, what, their mom telling them stand, resist the enemy or anything like that. But I finally found it in a book of, of Judges and it was different than, a different kind of mother than the other two because Judges 5, 7 speaks of one who was a mother to other people. It says, the villages were unoccupied and rulers ceased in Israel until Deborah arose, a mother in Israel. It wasn't just saying she was a mother who lived in Israel. 
In fact, here's how, here's how the New English Bible says it. Warriors were scarce in Israel until Deborah arose as a motherly protector in Israel. There was no leaders in the land and everybody was suffering greatly until a mother in Israel rose up. Somebody rose up to be a leader and a mother who watched over the nation, who cared for the nation and exhorted them to fight. And your kids need the mother to rise up in their life to stand for them, to protect them, to fight for them and to encourage them and to teach them how to fight. Judges 4.1 says this, after Ehud died, the Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. So the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, a king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The, the, the commander of his army was Sisera. Because he had 900 iron chariots and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years, they cried to the Lord for help. Deborah, a prophetess, <coughs> excuse me, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah. Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came to her to have their disputes decided. She sent for Barak from Kadesh and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go and take 10,000 men and lead the way to Mount Tabor. I will lure Sisera, this is the Lord speaking, the commander of Jabin's army with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. That's exactly what happened when the mother in Israel taught her children to fight the enemy. And that's what we must do, teach our children to fight the enemy. That means we've got to teach them the word of God. Our warfare is based on the word. In Paul's Timoth letter to Timothy, he acknowledges the importance of a godly mother. In 2 Timothy 1.5, Paul said, I have, reminded, I have been reminded of your sincere faith, talking to Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you. Wow, look at this generational blessing of knowing the word of God and having faith. Timothy became a man of sincere faith because it was passed down from his grandmother to his mother to him moms, you have a responsibility. Dads, you have a responsibility to live a life of sincere faith before your children. I think one reason some people, well, some children are, are leaving the faith is because they see their parents one way on Sunday and another way at home the rest of the week. We have got to live a life of sincere faith in front of them. If we do not, they will not want anything to do with our faith. By the way, single moms, I want you to notice there's no father mentioned here. You can still raise godly children on your own. They did it. In 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 15, we see the importance of a mother teaching her children the scripture. But as for you, talking to Timothy again, continue, remain in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy, from infancy, from a baby, you've known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Knowing the scriptures has a profound influence on our children. It's our responsibility to, to teach them. What could be more important than that? Listen, our children can be the most successful people in the whole world, but if they do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, what does it profit them? What does it profit them? And we have an enemy who is trying to, to get them with all, all he can. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. You talk to unbelievers, sometimes it's like talking to this pulpit. Their eyes roll back in the back of their heads and their eyes get glazed over. They don't hear a thing you're saying. Because the enemy is at work to blind them. 
and to deafen them to hear and see the truth. That's why we are believer, who are believers must have on the belt of truth and be grounded in the word of God. We need to be so familiar with the truth that we recognize the lies. So familiar with the Bible that we recognize deception. And then when we do do that, how do we resist the enemy? I'm going to show you here exactly, practically how to resist the enemy. Ephesians 6 lists the armor of God and it gives us our only offensive weapon. Verse 17 of Ephesians 6, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Listen, I was raised in church. My dad's a pastor. My granddaddy's a pastor. I've been in church my whole life. And I was always taught to turn the other cheek, do not fight. All fighting is bad. And I'll never forget when I was a little kid living in Detroit, actually in Taylor, Michigan. And I finally got big enough to ride my bike around the block on my own. And there was a kid on the other side of the street. Used to in those days, you could be out of your parents' sight. Some of y'all don't know what that's like. But in those days, we could be gone for hours. Nobody knew where we were. So I was riding down another street. And this bully, every time I would come around there, and he saw me coming, he would run. He would chase me down. He would knock me off my bike, beat me up, and rub my face in the dirt. Seriously. So I stopped riding around that block. And one day, my dad noticed. He said, why do you quit riding your bike around the block? He asked me why. And I told him about that bully, and he gave me some words that set me free. <laughs> he said, son, you cannot let anyone bully, like, bully you like that. Next time you go around that block and he does it, you pick up the nearest stick and you beat him with it. <laughs> y'all know my dad. Y'all know my, I'm looking at him like, is this a test? <laughs> Are you for real? He's like, I'm for real. So next time that I, I got on my bike and ran around that block, rode around that block, that bully came running up to me. But he didn't know he was about to meet a different Joey. <laughs> the new improved 2.0 Joey. G.I. <laughs> Joey! <laughs> and I told him, I looked him in the eye and said, you better leave me alone. He said, why? What are you going to do about it? And I said, my father told me that if you bothered me anymore, I should pick up the nearest stick and beat you with it. He said, yeah, right. But he took a step back. And I actually saw some fear in his eyes. He backed off and never, ever bothered me again. I could ride around that block on my bike, wave at him, wave a stick at him, And he never, ever bothered me again. Listen, listen, listen. I learned an important truth that day. I won that fight by hearing my father's voice and speaking my father's word. I won the battle by hearing my father's voice and speaking my father's word. And you win spiritual battles when you hear the word of God and you speak the word of God. That's what Jesus did. He's our example. When Satan tempted him in the wilderness, he responded three times, it is written. And then he spoke his father's word. He won the battle by speaking his father's word. We win the battle by speaking our father's word. So whatever you're coming up against, you find yourself a scripture and you tell Satan, here's my father's word. Here's what is written. When Satan comes with you with fear, you speak the word of your father. You say, it is written. 
God has not given me a spirit of fear. He has given me love, power, and a sound mind. You say that out loud to Satan. Satan, I resist you because it is written. When he comes against you with condemnation, Satan, I resist you because it is written. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. When he comes to you with feelings of inadequacy, you say, it is written. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When he comes trying to steal your job or steal your money, you speak the word of your father and say, it is written, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When he comes to you trying to make you sick, you speak the word of your father and you say, it is written by his stripes, I am healed. Even when it seems like Satan has won a victory over you, you speak the word of your father and you say, it is written. My father always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If God is for me, who can be against me? For every attack, you have an answer. It's God's answer. For every word of the enemy, you have a word. You have God's word. And God will show you when to remain, when to retreat, and when to resist. But remember, never, ever, ever run from the devil. Never run from the devil. You resist him. You submit to God. Resist him. And the Bible says he must flee in Jesus' name. Can you stand to your feet and give the Lord some thanks today? Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the name of Jesus. Thank you for spiritual armor. God, thank you, Lord, for victory we have through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. Hey, what's God saying to you as our prayer team comes down? What's God saying to you today? Maybe you have a situation where you need some wisdom. Would you pray with me? I, I need to know if I should remain in this situation or, or retreat. I need some help resisting something. Would you pray with me and agree with me in prayer where Satan's attacking and I want somebody to pray with me. Maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus and you need to pray to receive him or to be filled with the spirit. Maybe you need to pray for somebody else that you know that's on your heart. Whatever it is, we want to pray with you and believe the hand of God to move in your heart and in your life. Thank you so much for being here today. Moms, we love you. Don't forget your gift on the way out. Uh, please only take one, because sometimes people want to take for other people. Just only take one. We want to make sure every mom gets one. We're going to sing one more song, and then we will be dismissed. Love you. <laughs>